When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Province Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Whitetail Podcast. We are going to talk Canucks. Uh, well, we'll talk to Stanley Cup and we'll, you know, torque the, the relationship to the Canucks. I'm here with, joined by Ed Willis. Uh, also talk a little bit of Raptors, Toronto sports, uh, maybe even some other local sports, Lions and uh, the local landscape thrown in there. NHL draft on the horizon as well. As always, you can listen uh, to us while well, you're listening to us right now, but you can subscribe through Apple Podcasts. Please do so. Give us a rating. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Ed, speaking of what we like and what we don't like. Before we get into looking at, you know, the teams and the way they're constructed and how far the Canucks are away, which should interest most people, how the holy F does Boston have the World Series champion, the Super Bowl champion, and look poised to add the Stanley Cup to it? I mean, the only thing close to it that I can recall is the Pirates and Steelers in the late 70s. Wow. But other than that, like, I can't imagine another market sort of having two current dominant teams, let alone three. Yeah, you know, and the great part about that is, like, just for those short 86 years, Boston <laughs> prided, prided itself on being the city that couldn't win. It was as much a part of its identity as clam chowder. Uh, you know, the Red Sox curse and the curse of Bambi, the Bambino and what was us, and they wore that proudly. And I'm not sure what the turning point, I mean, can we all point to this to Tom Brady? The moment Tom Brady was drafted by the Patriots and, and emerged as like the greatest quarterback of all time. I, I think that's where it starts because it's 0-1. They win the first Super Bowl in, in 01, right? Yeah. Red Sox break the curse in 04. Bruins win in 11. Who am I missing? Celtics. Well, had Celtics that, had a championship. Yeah, they, in there, they had yeah. that one weirdo with the Paul Pierce team and, yeah. and and all the rest of it. It puzzles me a little bit. The hatred, I guess, just the emotion out of that 2011 Stanley Cup final. We've had finals since. I mean, Boston had been there and lost in the meantime, but there seems to have been no matchup which has left a scar like that one in 2011. The the disdain for the broom. Maybe it's. Marchand, maybe it's Chara, maybe it's the fact that this city hasn't had that was its best chance and and hasn't had a sniff since or really I mean you can go back to 94 prior to that but but what is it about the Bruins that it just seems to have left such a lasting impression on this market at least? Oh, I think 90% of it's Marchand. I, I, he's just like, see, if he was like a professional wrestler, he'd be the greatest heel of all time. And that's it. And I think, you know, he was kind of center stage in a lot of the stuff with Vancouver. But, you know, you think of Toronto, you think about him licking 
Leo Carr up on their face, which again is so. And then you think of the antics. Says, yeah, I, I'm a little encouraged that at least we're not alone anymore. There are other, yeah. you know, the, the, the We Hate Boston Club has grown a bit. We can now welcome our good friends in Toronto. We'll get to them a little later, I'm sure. Carolina kind of feels the way. And then, you know, Montreal, that's only been going on for like 40 years. So, so, so there's that. There, there is something like I was watching that game. And, and and I remember having a conversation, and I, and I think it was with the Toronto series, and I can't remember what, what it was, but I was having a conversation with somebody who said, you know, here's the thing about conspiracy theories and Boston. I don't necessarily buy them, but you can easily construct a case where you can make a believable Always. conspiracy case Always. just for the calls they make. And that game last night, okay, the, the Blues are up 2 nothing. They take four straight penalties, two of which were highly, highly questionable. To me, that's what turned that game around. Now, full credit to the Bruins. They took advantage, and they just steamrolled them over the last half of the game. But Blues are up 2 nothing on the road. They can play a shutdown game as well as anybody. And like I said, four straight penalties in the Stanley Cup final – Two of which the call on Edmondson and I can't remember who got the slashing call for a little you know like tap on the wrist. Uh, that that's what did it. And the McAvoy goal and uh, like I put that one on Bennington, but the McAvoy, McAvoy goal was was the key point in the game because they'd actually shut them down on the power play to that, and it's late in the power play and McAvoy who was like again a guy that Canucks missed out on, but that's, <laughs> uh, uh, you know that that goal that 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 changed the whole complexion of the game for me. It's you know it's an interesting question. I think that when you look at teams that seem to have influence, I mean, obviously, when the Canucks were involved, there was the whole uh, yeah. Colin Campbell debacle, uh, to say nothing other than, you know, a player, a current player on a team's dad is is pretty much the second most powerful man in the NHL. Um, those, the allegations of sort of power brokers in the, in the ownership group uh, has hung around the NHL mm-hmm. for a long time. Publicly, there's not a lot said, but the hockey media talks about it. Jeremy Jacobs is one of them. I mean, Lord knows the Canucks owner only ex- seems to exert his influence over the need to get ride sharing in this in this province, which he did again this morning. Yes, it's getting somewhat embarrassing, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, we don't see the owner in Vancouver come out and scream that they don't get the breaks is that they all play good cop. Yet we hear about the Snyder family. We hear mm-hmm. about what happens, you know, Chicago is one of them, Montreal, Back perhaps the day, Toronto. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. certainly yeah. Jacobs is one of them. Is there anything to that? Or is this just a myth? Yeah, it's, it's like the optics of it. But again, you just kind of look at the way things break and, and, and it, it kind of, tends to point one way, and Boston does get a disproportionate amount of breaks, in my opinion. Couldn't sit down and prove it empirically, but I just think of the events over the last couple of years. And time and time again, the just the scales of justice have tipped toward the Boston side of things. I think this is a fascinating series because, you know, the other the other part of it is, for me, They've kind of uh, uh, flipped characters from 2011. Like Boston is now kind of more the speed skill team. Now they've got Chara in the lineup, and that changes the equation <laughs> a bit. But by and large, they're, 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 they are the speed and skill team, which will require uh, the referees to call it tight. And if they call it tight and if they continue to get you know the, the, the run on, on the power play, this is going to be a very short series. St. Louis, on the other hand, the bigger, heavier team, plays a more physical brand. They want the game called loose. So I, I think the way the game is going to be called is going to be a huge determining factor 
in in this series like right after the who has the best goalie it might be the second most important thing so i think that's going to bear watching here as this thing unfolds when you look at st louis i mean are they a cinderella, a cinderella team where something like what happened last night could be the clock striking midnight or are they look it was the first game they yeah they had a lead um they've they've actually they've had some adversity in these playoffs already and they have come back from it uh, they seem unflappable in a way. Do you? What do, what do you? Th- I, mean, I know they're game down, but what do you think their odds are? Fine. I I, I still think it's going to come down to. I, I look at Tuukka Rask versus Bennington, and I think that that is ultimately Boston's ace in the hole. I, I think that's what it comes down to. But but I would say this about St. Louis: they're a Cinderella team, just in in terms of this year. Like, who would have thought a team that was like last in in the NHL in December would would make this kind of move? But the, the fact is, the Blues have been there thereabouts with this incarnation of the team and this group of players for the better part of five years. They've kind of been San Jose of the Midwest. They just couldn't get it done. When is that they a tag you want to have? <laughs> <laughs> no, not no, no, it isn't. But but very similar, you know, impressive impressive teams you look at them and go oh, geez break here break there I can see them winning the whole thing and it seemed like the shelf life had passed but 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 here they are now uh, and again I think the other instructive point for Canucks fans is you look at these two teams and they're not built on lottery picks they're not they're, they're just built on like like really good hockey decisions made across the board whether it's in draft whether it's in free agency whether it's in trades whether it's college free agency uh you know two two really sharp organizations and i think that's a lesson there for Canucks so fans. trading louis erickson for milan lucic isn't oh, exactly how Jesus. these teams have got to where you know they what are. I, I i can see that though i can, that makes so much sense I, lucic was their first target when in that free agency season he turned them down because he had a, a chance to play with Connor McDavid, and he didn't like the idea of coming home. He didn't like the idea of having that bullseye on his back. I think the way things are, have gone now, they'd cheerfully do that trade and, um, you know, guys would move on. But um, I don't think it would have much of an impact on, on the Canucks lineup for next season. But that's an easy, it's, it's a, that's a trade that would be easy to sell in yeah, this market. Lots of hockey insiders coming out over the last two days saying they believe these, these talks had taken place at some point. Um, but if you look at St. Louis and, and Boston, Ed, which, I mean, it's so dumb to say which model would they, would the Canucks be closer to, but which one do they more closely fit? Only because I think you can then make an argument for a path to the Stanley Cup. I mean, ultimately, I still think a team like Tampa is going to come back next year. And, you know, there's, there's, look, Calgary, there's many other teams that are out there that fell this year that are still going to be strong. But if you're, if you look at what the Canucks have, are they closer to what Boston is or closer to what? Well, okay. The analogy is far from perfect, but, but I, I would say Boston. And just in terms of this, I, I think the Canucks have identified their pillar pieces. And the other great thing about, you know, that 2011 comparison is like the star players are largely the same. For Boston, it's still Bergeron, it's still Marchand, it's, it's still Krejci, it's still Chara. Yeah, Rask was there. Yeah, yeah, was yeah now the difference is, you know, they've rebuilt the blue line. You know, adding adding McAvoy and, and Krug and uh, um, the the other guy whose name escapes me now. Of course, uh, um, Bobby Orr, Brandon Carlo. Yes. Thank you. Oh, Brandon <laughs> so, Carlo. Okay. Yeah. No, no, a really yeah. good player. I mean, yeah. you know, he's, if, he, if he's your fourth best defenseman, you've got a really good team. So. 
you have those four kind of foundational pieces in place, you can build around them and you can kind of, you can almost burn through a half generation, which is what the Bruins have done here, almost a full generation, turned over their team. And it's remarkable to me, they have built a championship caliber team just by really uh, uh, building an incredible bottom half of their lineup. Because that's what separates this Boston team is the depth and the, 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 the production they get from the third and fourth line. And there's not a lot of like lottery picks in there. In fact, I'm not sure if there's a first where Charlie Coyle was, but he was in like a trade acquisition. Well, this is the weird thing about them, Ed, is they yeah. they had that weird draft where they had three picks in a row and none of those panned out. No, yeah, they got Jake DeBrusque. They got well, Jake yeah, DeBrusque, who's a really good player. Yeah. But no, you're right. You would think for them to turn that it around, they up. had to hit, you know, they'd have to hit at least ground rule doubles yeah. on three of those picks. But no, they didn't. But you look at the, okay, so the second rounders, and this absolutely kills me, the second rounders on that on that team are Bergeron, Carlo, Pasternak, right? He, yep. was, he was in the 20s, the first round, or somebody else the Canucks mi- mi- missed on. Great, great player. Uh, Marshawn was wherever he was picked, third or fourth round, things like that. So again, it doesn't necessarily follow that you have to build your team around lottery picks if your organization is sound enough and you're making good hockey decisions across the board and, you know, in the three, four ways, avenues. Uh, look at the college free agents. They get Tory Krug. Yeah. Who's really a, a top pair defenseman on a, any team in the NHL? That cost him some money in college free agency. Uh, the Akari kid is is, is another one. Um, again, it's using all the tools in the in in the organizational toolbox to build a team, and that's what should be the lesson for the Canucks. Well, maybe the lesson is that the the genius in the Boston uh, front office. Were the people working for Jim Benning and Peter Shirelli, not necessarily those two. Isn't that amazing? It is. Isn't it's that, crazy. I'm sorry, those, David Krejci is the other yeah, second yeah, rounder. The, we need a time delay on these podcasts. <laughs> it's kind of the old man rule. I need five minutes to come up with some of the names I used to be able What's to recall his name? like this. You know, that guy, not that guy, the other guy next to that guy whose name I don't remember either. I will make the Toronto transition now. Uh, the, I was speaking with the Post Media Sports Editor, Bill Pierce, um, on the weekend, and and he said that he woke up in a cold sweat, thinking that, you know, if the Leafs get the job done with the Bruins in Game Seven, <laughs> that you're probably looking at a Raptors and a Leafs team in the final, because really Boston stroll through. I know you can't take anything yeah. for granted, but really their toughest test was the Leafs, and if you're Toronto, you you, you probably do have what ifs. In the meantime, they're consumed by the Raptors, and I find this hilarious. Uh, we're now in this debate about um, how enraptured with the Raptors we should be and whether they're Canada's national team or not. I don't know. I'm For me personally, I went through this with the Blue Jays. I had been an Expos fan. Mm-hmm. So I, I found this the notion that I had to cheer for the Blue Jays because they were Canadian to be, frankly, nauseating. And I find the same thing with the Raptors. I've always liked the NBA. I grew up a Lakers fan during the Magic Showtime era. I've always been partial to the Lakers. Uh, I actually really liked the Warriors during the, the when Chris Rubber went there because I was a big college basketball fan, and mm-hmm. I liked the Fab Five. So, you know, now this idea that I have to cheer for the Raptors is, is asinine. I think there's a lot of local Blazers fans. There's still a lot of residual Suns fans, as bad as they've been, but Steve mm-hmm. Nash created a huge following people used to see sun's uh, gear all over the city so um i just think it's great that people are interested in the nba but please don't tell me that i have to cheer for the raptors no and i i think for me it's the it's it's the two parts of one of our great national debates and i think it's okay 
to cheer for the Rapids, to jump on the bandwagon, and it's still okay to take the piss out of Toronto. Because yeah. those are the two great things Canadians do. We're great bandwagon jumpers, and we just enjoy mocking Toronto to no end, and for really good reason, too. And I think this whole debate just kind of shines the light on a lot of those reasons, right? The presumption that the rest of Canada, per force, must march in lockstep behind Toronto to support this fantastic Toronto entity. I, I remember having this line, like, they should really alter alter the, uh, the, the the motto of the team from we the north to we the north york um not bad yeah that was you. good yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah well yeah, that landed with a thought as most of them <laughs> most of them do but uh, yeah it, it it is like it, it's it's a cool story it, it's um um fully deserving of a lot of admiration love the way they play uh, like so many elements of the team from the gm to the star to the way they've kind of built this to the way they play but anything beyond that, it just yeah, it, it, it kind of strikes at this national obsession we have w- w- with Toronto, and it goes both um, ways. So the Toronto's kind of sense of self-importance, you know, that's reflected part of it, on the rest of the country versus the rest of the country's disdain for Toronto. That's part of it. But I, to me, a, a big part of it, and it was exactly exactly the same when the Blue Jays were in the playoffs a couple of years ago. This is Sportsnet and TSN doing the damage. Fair it's enough. not the yep. fans or the people in Toronto. Yep. I made this point before. ESPN's a little bit of an anomaly because they're hived off in Connecticut. Um, but if you look at like NBC Sports Network or CBS or these New York bound national sports entities, they don't force New York teams down your throat. Uh, you know, which is a good thing. Well, it's a great, it, no, no, but even, <laughs> even the way most of those New York, New York teams have gone. But even the when they're good, while. even when the Yankees, I mean, yeah. look, there's no doubt they get a lot of coverage because it's a big market, but it's not like everyone, like the, the, the video of the Sportsnet control room going crazy when the shot went in, to me is asinine. And I know there's different standards of journalism for broadcasting than, than there are for print, but I find it to be quite repugnant. I've said this before, Sky or BT or the Amer- or mm. the, the English networks, you know, they are not attached to Chelsea or Arsenal. Or Now, the caveat I've seen is, well, the Jays are the only team in Canada or the Raptors are the only team in Canada in their sports. If you only had one American team or you only had one English team, then maybe you'd see that. But I still don't think it applies because we get the same thing with the Leafs. And even we got it with TFC when they were in there. I just think the network's need to realize they're national and they're not local. And I don't know of another example where it exists. And that's more what pisses me off than the Raptors. I think the Raptors are a fine team. They've got players you want to cheer for. They play an exciting brand of basketball. They're a good story. But I, I don't like the Canadian coverage. I, I Give me Shaq and, and Charles mm-hmm. and Ernie Johnson any day over the clowns we have on Canadian TV. That's my issue and that's my rant. Well, it, 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 it's almost like a, an Olympics or a World Cup where yep, you, you it, know, is. They, it is so skewed toward the national team or whoever's wearing the national colors. Uh, you, you're talking about the Blue Jays there, and, and, I, and I think this is the difference. At least there's a freaking history yeah. involved with the Blue Jays that goes back 40 some years. And, you know, people went through, you know, their rise in the 80s and the World Series teams in 92 and 93 so I can tolerate that a little more so I understand you know when the Blue Jays did you know make that great leap forward three four years ago they were tapping into something which already existed at least I think the other part of this for me anyways is somebody who still kind of mourns the loss of the Grizzlies not for what they were but for what they might have been yeah I mean to shove the Raptors down our throats in this market that is really that that's 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 beyond the pale uh, that, that is so you know, kind of insensitive isn't the word, but it just doesn't take into account what happened here. 
And and I, that's what I found myself. I wrote about that then, you know, on, on Monday. I found myself thinking about that. And every now and then something just kind of crosses, a, flashes across your radar and you think, could it have worked here? Might it have worked here? If this would have happened, if that would have happened. And I still maintain it would have, but, you know, we'll never know because we never had a chance no, to prove I, what it. what often gets glossed over there, too, is, is you know, Seattle. I mean, many of us who are older, I was a Sonics fan long before oh, the Grizzlies arrived here. Yeah. And they used yeah. to hold, I remember seeing Magic Johnson play for the first time at the Pacific Coliseum against the Sonics. And then you think, well, Kevin Durant, he should have been playing for the Sonics mm. before they even moved to Oklahoma. And so I, I can see why local basketball fans would be upset. But that doesn't, I look, I find it so cool. Uh, Saturday, both last Tuesday and on Saturday, I, I live just off Main Street in Vancouver. The place is teeming with basketball fans and mm-hmm. Raptors fans. I don't begrudge yeah, yeah. people who have grown up and they are... But you don't they, think those people those... would show up for a Vancouver well, NBA franchise? I think the, the way the demographics have gone in our city, it is a huge game in Asia. Um, it, 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 massive. And, you know, like, the, the business of the NBA is different with the TV dollars. You don't have to sell out. I remember one of the, the, one of the great things is Michael Heisley actually would have lost less money with the Grizzlies in Vancouver than he did in Memphis yeah. over the length of his ownership there. So, I, again, I, I, I think it, it, it could have worked, and, and I know the NBA still regarded that as like – because it had this perfect attendance record, right? It was the bulletproof league, the league that didn't make any screw-ups with franchises and things like that. And that is the one kind of scar on on uh, on David Stern's record, and, and it bothered him. I know it bothered him. Well, we said it was a regret, and then Adam yeah. Silver recently said, we're not in expansion mode, but I would love to see a team in Vancouver. So who knows? Have mm. you heard anything from the ownership group here? There's always mm. this feeling that, well, a second tenant really helps line the pockets, the corporate support. Well, all they, those they, some they, people they've say got the Overwatch it. League, right? So what, what do they need? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's uh, like only like two years until they play their, their first home game here. Um, but I have no doubts that when they do, it will be sold out. That's the, that's the funny thing. We can laugh at all we want. But do you think there's a desire on the local ownership group to explore having a team? I, I think there's a desire. I just don't see the reality matching that desire. I, I, I might be wrong. I know Francesco's kicked the tires on the white caps from, from time to time, and that makes more sense to me than going for an NBA team. Um, and that's still, but God, geez, you know, and again, the NBA represents, you know, it's like Oz, it's like the Emerald City, it's like this jewel. You know, and if you could get that and add that in, in, to your to your empire, boy, now you've really got something. So I think, uh, in, in those terms, yes, it is. I just, I, I just think the, you know, all the levers you'd have to pull to get there. I'm just not sure if th- those the, are available. The big debate, of course, as you say, it's not all about selling tickets, and it's not. Um, certainly, TV contracts, which I think you'd be in a healthy shape. But yeah. the well, the big nail in the Grizzlies' coffin when they were here was corporate support. And there's this always this argument: does it bring more corporate support in, or does it split it? And uh, you know, there's no doubt of the Canucks' place in this market. That's not changing. I, you just had to see the fact that the draft sold out in about three and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's not going anywhere, but you do wonder if there are enough corporate dollars in this city for another entity like that. So, Yeah, you do, but I'm not sure how big a part of the equation corporate dollars are, especially in the Vancouver of 2019 versus the Vancouver of 1999. 
Uh, somebody should do a song about that, something about 1999. It just, the way it rolls off the tongue. I, I, you know, in 20 years, no, I just think like, like the demographics. Me the North York, right? <laughs> <laughs> Does it, again, like the demographics and, and, and where the money comes from, and I say I think it's just changed so much, and I think they really would be tapping into something here with, with an NBA team. One of the things that's a downside about the NBA is, and I will say this is, first of all, let me be clear. I hope Golden State wins the championship. Because I think that franchise as a the way they've put those pieces together is fascinating. And I think you're gonna see that team break up a little bit with Durant going his own way, maybe Thompson as well. But I hope that happens and I hope Kawhi leaves Toronto. Just because I think if especially with these bandwagon fans, what's happened in Toronto is fascinating. That you you had this team with Lowry and DeRozan and a very strong support mm-hmm. group around them. And you were tired of LeBron stuffing you in a locker. But LeBron leaves the East and you decide you want to change your team. So you trade for this superstar, but he only has one year left on his contract. So the big issue here is whether he's been swayed enough by the experience mm-hmm. to want to stay in Toronto or whether he's going to go and be another part of this kind of supergroup thing. That would be my fear with a team in Vancouver is do you get to a point where you just can't attract – Yeah star talent here. I think even with the Whitecaps we see it, Ed, they, wh- whether that's the model they want to follow or not, they have an almost impossible task of convincing a, a big enough star that would actually sell some tickets to come here. And it, that was an issue with the NBA when they were here, and I think it would continue to be. Yeah, it's true. And let's say it's not like we're not, you know, the the, the memories of of Steve Francis and, and, and Mike Bibby being drafted. Are, are, I had flashbacks to that. In the, in the, so Zion Williamson refused to put on a New Orleans cap. After, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he hasn't actually been drafted yet. But I had flashbacks to Steve Francis. Again, I want to believe our world has changed. And, you know, it, I, I, you know, basketball players are a little more worldly. I think there's a lot more international players now. I think you'd have to be very careful about how you structured your team. And I think you'd have to look for Europe to Europe more for players and not necessarily to the NCAA. Find the next Andrea Bargnani. Yeah, that's a, or, or, or maybe, and here's a thought, the next Steve Nash. This fascinated me, and I heard this, I, I, I don't know... Uh, I don't know if it, if it was that much of a revelation to anybody who's been paying attention, but after the United States, Canada has the most NBA players per nationality in the NBA. Yeah, there's so, been a so real again, you know, it's changed, lately, yeah. and that's I think you can almost draw a straight line of the Steve Nash effect to all those players and the Raptors, Canadian players, around. and the Raptors and the Grizzlies for the three yeah. years we were. <laughs> no, but still, you look at, I mean, R.J. Barrett's coming out this year. Obviously, we've no, had no, number there one was, picks yeah, in the past, No, there was. Yeah, no, it was. Like, like I, God, you know, and I hate to be the old guy, but, you know, I am the old guy, so what the hell. But basketball, like the NBA was such an exotic uh, league, an entity where, during the 60s and 70s and 80s. And when you got these games, it was just, you know, there wasn't like this proliferation of cable coverage and saturation broadcasting. It was just this really rare thing to see. But, you know, just think of the way the game has changed now, and you can watch virtually every NBA game every night of the season if you so desire. So it's not that thing, and Vancouver isn't that place. It was, and it was, it was the Grizzlies' first year, 96? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, that's changed. Whether it's changed enough to have this team, it, it's an interesting conversation. I, I think it's really interesting yeah. to have this conversation. I, I'm not sure if it's anything more than that, though. Yeah, it's um, and the world is so global now. It's so as we've yeah. seen, like mm-hmm. this local Raptor support. Um, one last thing on that before we 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 wrap up. 
Um, there is this debate, and of course now we're, we're talking about doing a news story on this about the level of support for the Raptors in Vancouver, and they're talking about a public, like one of the city councils come forward with having a public oh. viewing party. And I recall the fact that they raised the 12 flag at the city hall for the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Um, can you think of another city that that actually formalizes think that was a good idea support for other yeah. like franchises from other cities? It just seems odd. Like, is I know that there's a ton of Buffalo Bills season ticket holders from Toronto. I can't see them raising. Like having the Bills Mafia presence on in Toronto City Hall, or I, you know, I can't see a public viewing party in Toronto for the Canucks and the Stanley Cup. It just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Who, who would think this is a good idea? Who who would you know like, like like piece together like our history with the NBA, our hatred of Toronto, all those factors involved in this, and think no, this is what we have to do now. We need a big public space paid for by the taxpayer to police and have security, and we will dedicate that space so we can watch Toronto Raptors games here. Are you freaking kidding me? I, I just, it, it, I love this city. I it really is. do. It's for, fantastic. It, for, not, not for the reasons you should love. I, I love it for the reasons you should love a city. I love it for other reasons, too. Uh, and that and that's one. And that is the biggest screwball idea I've ever heard. Ed, thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks for listening. You can, as I said, download through Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. Uh, we'll certainly be back pre-draft to talk more Canucks, focusing. We have uh, just finalizing our pre-draft plans now. Um, with the draft being here, obviously, there's going to be a lot of hockey media. Maybe we'll even have some guests. So thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back soon.